Shalom, and welcome back to Four Worlds Torah, digging for treasures in the Torah, treasures that matter for our lives and for the world. I'm Rabbi Shoshana Lise, and I'm here again with Rabbi Charna Rosenholtz. Today we will explore Parshat Sab, the Parsha named for the root of the word mitzvah, commonly translated as a good deed. A mitzvah is something that we are commanded to do in order to be in close relationship with the divine. It is something that we're commanded to do in order to sustain ourselves and the world as a place, a sanctuary for the divine, a holy place, a mitzvah. Sav, we will be exploring chapter six, verse six. A perpetual fire, a regular fire, a persistent fire is to be kept blazing upon the slaughter site, on the altar. It is not to go out. We chose this verse for several reasons, one of which is perhaps you could say on the surface. Don't let the fire go out, don't let the light go out. Light is a symbol of spiritual sustenance, of our soul's needs, our soul's yearnings for connection, our spiritual needs, our, the need to maintain a spiritual practice in order to maintain our connection to, our, to, to the divine as we understand the divine, to our higher purpose, to maintain our calm and settled minds so that we might move through the world with the awareness of, of the spiritual dimension to, to be conscious of our words and actions, all the reasons that we maintain our spiritual lives and don't burn out. So we don't wanna let that light go out. Uh, initially, that's what I thought this verse was about and that's true and an important reading. In our discussion today, we will be exploring um, fire as, not only symbolizing spiritual light, but also understanding fire, ash, as a tool for transformation. Repcharna, would you like to take us from here? Absolutely. Thank you so much, Rep Shoshana. Um, so in order to really get someplace to understand the power of this fire, I want to start with what we know about fire. What are some of the things we already know? Fire can purify something. It can create something. We cook with it to enhance our food. It can destroy things or devour things, if you will. It creates warmth and safety in the cold. It brings light into darkness. Metaphorically, fire invites our ancestral imagination forward. Fire is symbolic of passion and our desire. So how do we understand this complicated element and why is it so pervasive in the temple cult, in the taking of offerings in Corbinot? What is the purpose to spend so much time of talking about fire? And lastly, how many different ways is there to describe fire in the Torah? So let me just slow it down even more and remind us that upon this Mizbeach, this courtyard, this place where people would bring their offerings, 
This is the place that lay people were also welcome to come with their animals. This was what we considered to be kind of the realm of Yetzirah, the emotional realm, the place where we work with our emotions to shift them from being separate from God. And then we create a Corbon, Corban in order to move closer to God. And so there's a lot of spiritual technology that was utilized in these rituals that now we can think about in order to transform them to today to help us with moving closer to God. So I wanted to share with everybody that there were three different fires upon the Mizbeach. Only the priests could go up, or the Levites as well, could go up onto the Mizbeach. No, no lay people could go there, but they could be around the area. So there were three fires. The first fire was where they would arrange the fire for the Olah and the various other korbanot that they would burn. Some would burn completely, uh, mokda. Some would burn completely. Some would burn partially um, and, and um, I mean, be cooked and then eaten. Um, but this would all happen on the north end. Then there was towards the west end, there was a fire that would coals that were just used for nothing else but to take the coals that would be used for the katorit, for the incense, which was something that was happening on the inner sanctum. And then the third fire, according to the sages, this third fire um, was literally to be the fire that was eternally, continually burning. According to Rashi, as well as Ibn Ezra, as well as later commentators, um, it, was, um, it was the fire which the lamps of the menorah were kindled. Um, this was written, and the whole verse point of this, according to Ibn Ezra, was that the word tamid, that continually this fire should burn. This was the fire that had that spiritual purpose of, be, of like the inner fire or inner light within us that's connected to God. So before we go any deeper, those are some elements of fire that we think about when we think about it as a transformative agent. The one thing we might be curious about is why have three separate fires and how would that relate to us today? Do we have a fire in which we work with our emotions, a fire in which we use to connect us to God, and a fire which we use that we continually tap into to connect us with God? Mm. And I think that um, the idea of when we've gone astray, when we've quote sinned, when we've when we've missed the mark, and we want to return to right relationship, fire can be used as an element for restoring right relationship. I mean, we spoke earlier about about this uh, as a as a tool for tshuva. Yeah, I I think so. <laughs> shame and and how i think we we like to say that shame isn't good like we shouldn't have people be ashamed the torah feels very strongly that we shouldn't uh whiten someone's face or redden someone's face i think they're both are used i think it's whiten 
that you should not shame anybody, right? But you tell me today, there's a space and a time and a need even for that burnt up feeling in your face when you just feel ashamed. Can you speak about that fire? Thank you. I'd really like to. Um, the more I study this particular verse, the more amazed I am of how much spiritual technology is embedded in it. So let's going to start. I would like to start from a slightly uncomfortable place. According to Kabbalah, fire in every place it burns represents judgment. In other words, this uncomfortable or shall I say inconvenient truth that the world is built with judgment yet various um, various gifts are given in order to mitigate that judgment more towards love. The soul is accountable at every level for its thoughts, words, and actions. We've talked about that before. And so we we step in our lives towards more and more clarity, purification of our thoughts, more purification of our words, more purification of our deeds. That's the psycho-spiritual path that we're on. Because ultimately, be it in one lifetime or many lifetimes, the soul is accountable at every level of judgment there is. Yet it is difficult to be spiritually on every single second of one's life i mean honestly i would like to get to that point in myself i am not there yet i am still an act uh, a work in progress let's put it this way so the technology here says we have this fire of judgment um but the priest who represents chesed or love will do these various um, burning acts during the times of day where judgment rule, I mean, where chesed, where loving kindness rules in order to bring chesed to the process of, of us working with where we've missed the mark. Each and every one of us misses the mark in the course of our life, if not in the course of a day. Um, and so fire and, represents, uh, at the end of every day, how can we use fire either as a concept or for real? Uh, I love that question. Let's just step back one moment before we move forward into that question. This is what I really, this is what I want to share. Say I miss the mark on something and I have to think of myself, okay, did I just not, was I just unaware did I not know? Did I know it was wrong, but I did it anyway? Was I malicious in my intent? I really have to come to understand what went on. Where did I miss that mark? Let's say I hurt somebody's feelings and I just plow through it in my own selfish way or my own unaware way. And then at night, and I think this is what you're referring to, I do my cheshbon Hanefesh, my accounting of the soul. I go through my day. I think of the various interactions. I think about, did I take care of myself? Did I eat well? 
Did I move, exercise? Did I care and love about the people I care and love about? Did I hurt anybody's feelings? Um, I'll just go through the whole day. And sometimes I'll be like, oh, wow, I missed the mark there. I think I did something that really hurt somebody's feelings. And then I jump into their perspective. How much it felt like when I did that. Oh, no. Oh, that. Oh, how, how could I have done that? Oh, my goodness. I hurt them. I was foolish. I was selfish. I was unaware. I'm a little bit embarrassed. I'm a little bit ashamed of myself. And then I feel that. I really feel that, oh, what in me was asleep in that moment to not notice or care about the impact I was having on the other. And I will feel that, that, that flush of shame in my face, that redness in my face. And I'm like, I just feel it. And I feel it. And I feel it until it burns off. It burns off. If I stay in it until I get to the point of not only of understanding where I was coming from, until I get to my own self-forgiveness, I stay in that feeling. And then at the end of that, I know what I have to do. Either I have to forgive myself or the next day I have to call that person up and make amends. And in that process of cheshbon ha-nefesh, to me, that is what I do instead of going to find a sheep, a goat, a cow, a turtle dove, etc., that I can bring to the temple to burn off that nature, that lower level nature. When I, I instead I do it through cheshbon ha-nefesh. Um, was that so clear? Yeah, and I'm thinking about two things. One is that you said the priest is chesed. The priest, in order for this to happen, what I've learned is to uh, we need to hold ourselves as we also access shame. Like there needs to be a witness part that is the space that is chesed, or even rachamim, like a container, a womb, a space with compassion. We can allow ourselves to experience shame, but held in love. So we're still tempering. We're, that fire of judgment is nonetheless tempered by chesed, by having that priestly element, perhaps holding it and, and, and you know, guiding this whole process. And the other thing I'm thinking is to relate it back to the verse, Eish tukad al hamizbeach lotich Don't let it go out is emphasized. Can you relate this cheshbon nefesh work and the fire, the lower fires to this idea of a perpetual fire? Yeah, I, I, I'd like to give that a try. So remembering that this ash is about a source that illuminates and gives birth to other smaller sources. And that what we're trying to do is understand the inner fire that connects us spiritually to that source. That's the Eish Tamid. But here's something interesting. If you go into the Talmud or even the Zohar, they both talk about six different kinds of fire. And as I was researching that, I did six kinds of fire into my Google search engine. And what came up 
are six fires that the fire department talks about to help you know how at home to deal with different fires. They distinguish six fires. How is that possible that the Talmud, the Zohar, and the fire department all talk about these six different kinds of fire? But some fires are, are greater or lesser can consume um, other fires. For example, I'll just give you, there's a fire that eats but does not drink. There's a fire that drinks but does not eat, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I don't want to get into all that right now, but what I do want to say that a lesser fire can be consumed by a greater fire. So for example, my passion is fire. Let's say I'm passionate about something like Israel and that I want to talk about Israel. And my experience is nothing gets people into arguments faster than talking about Israel, especially now today. There's conflicting views and understandings about it. Um, so the question is, when our passion comes into those conversations, at what point does our passion fuel the fire of discourse? And at what point does the fashion burn out of control and destroys and hurts the other? How do we modulate our passion in right relationship? Um, another example would be um, sexuality is a great fire. It's a burning fire. And I can use that fire of passion to create, or I can use it to, um, to, to destroy love. It can go either way. We have to take our passions and our inner fires, and we have to learn how to control them because they're so powerful. I believe that this whole verse of like this Ishtamid Tukad, this, this, this um, Tukad, this burning or kindling the fire in this way um, upon the altar, and that we should never extinguish it, um, is that eternal search. It's a Tamid continual because it's an internal an eternal search of figuring out how to work with my inner fires and contain them in a way where they're spiritually and socially and psychologically productive. And I know that Tamid isn't just, you know, turn on that light and leave it on. Like many synagogues have the, the, the near Tamid always lit, but it's meant to be lit every day. And with that comes consciousness and dedication to that higher purpose. So in closing, we've talked about the power of fire to purify, to transform, even to heal, to be creative in that regard, and also to be potentially destructive if used without consciousness. Now, soon we'll have Nadav and Avihu who will get burned up by the fire and lose their lives because they're so dedicated, perhaps it's not clear. But fire can be dangerous and can be dedicated. So we'll explore further in future episodes of our podcast. For now, I want to bless everyone with a fire that burns away your chametz, that anything that's puffed up, no longer necessary, that's your past, that's your mitzrayim, your places that can be left behind so that we can build a world for the higher good through liberating ourselves and others, that we do so light a fire right before 
Pesach and burn up your chametz completely so that it's just dust of the earth. Ownerless. Shabbat shalom, everyone. Shabbat shalom.